Live More Real, a podcast about real people for real people. I wanted to create a space where I share my true feelings and those of my guests about what it's like to live in today's world. The challenges we face and how we deal with them or don't. What about all that stuff that's just not said but should be? You know, the conversations that we really want to have but don't. What do we really think and feel? What about our regrets, the dreams that we have and the stuff we should be doing but we don't? Each week, I'll be here talking to real people about real life. This is a very honest look at life and hopefully, by listening, it will help you to have a better understanding of yours. In this conversation, Billy truly feels and embraces her emotions in such an incredible way. She talks about many things, including the power of groups and the importance of laughing, that we should tell ourselves we're good enough and acknowledging our achievements, to have the confidence to listen to your intuition and see where it takes you, the challenge of being a giver and then having nothing left to give to yourself, the daily practices she uses to manage her insecurities lack of confidence, and how to quieten the unhelpful voice in our heads. How to build courage and be courageous. I truly hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. What's your most important truth? I mean, all I can say is really being me in this moment. Have you always been like that? No, no, this is a, it's a work in progress. <laughs> I mean, did you, you know, were you kind of like as a child then, were you somebody who sat with their thoughts? I was kind of a quite quiet. I'm not an extrovert, for mm. sure. I'm quite an introvert. In saying that, I can be very playful and out there, but I can, I'm, also, I'm actually quite an introvert. So I, my, some of my memories of when I was a kid, I would spend a whole lot of time under these cypress trees, which are in our, near our, you know, on our property. And just be in this imaginary world. So I was very much in this imaginary world. And, you know, fairies and, you know, I'd just be in my own little world playing games and just moseying around. I was actually quite sneaky. <laughs> Being the youngest of, <laughs> three, of four children, I was quite sneaky and, you know, just in my own world and go, and go into my brothers and sisters' rooms and, and read their diaries and things like that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Did you play together? Well, I don't have a lot of memories of playing together other than we would ride together on, in horse riding because we had a lot of horsed, horses at the time. So there were memories of going out with my brothers and sisters riding. But they were a little bit older than me. So did you spend quite a lot of time on your own then? I don't think so. No, I had lots of people around me. I spent a lot of time with my mum who was memories of sitting with her in the vegetable garden eating beans while she would garden she was very very much about self-sufficiency following my mum around the farm and doing my own things through the farming I was really actually into into being on the farm and looking after animals I loved animals that was very much a part of my life when I was younger I've got lots of memories of going to friends houses a lot but we also didn't have any family in Australia mm. so that was always really interesting I would see everyone else going to their grandparents or so I did feel that yeah we were a little bit different in that way that it was just really only us kind of that nu nuclear family so and then when my mum uh, was married to um, her second husband my stepdad they he had a very big family and it was my first experience of having uh, you know, family having a nana and pop and you know, so-called cousins and things. So that was a big eye opener from you know going being in my quite nuclear family into this much bigger family, very Australian family because my parents are both from Zimbabwe. So even though we were Australian, they're very much very much Australian, but also there was a slight difference within our family from you know our family compared to others and then when mum had was with her second husband my whole world opened up I remember I remember it was a it was really good for me I think it was good because I I got to see another completely different perspective on life I think I was quite sheltered you know their their family was quite complex and the relationships between siblings and 
grandparents and you know I was just you know quite interested I've always been quite curious in people as, as well like yourself so just watching and you know observing this other world I think it may help me to be more accepting of people and kind of like all oh, right so you know my kind of middle class kind of world I went to a, a family who've been struggling not so much middle class but like oh right that's people other people have a very different experience so that was that was really a big change for me in my childhood I feel really grateful for that actually and did you find it challenging to go mm. from what you knew which is a very small nuclear family to this much bigger I don't no I didn't really I was about nine ten I think I loved it yeah it was great yeah and they were very much my stepdad was he was a bushman so you know he knew the knew the land around there and we would go in the bush and you know he was he kind of he was introduced us to doing more opportunities in in um, doing horse riding and being in the bush he taught us how to build fences and chop down trees and and make posts and you know so it was really yeah it was I loved it that's great because yeah. it gets easy but the, to go from one to the other that yeah. can be a tough transition yeah yeah definitely I felt I did feel that with that change we left some people behind in terms of the different not not we weren't as connected to some families which we had been in the past because my stepfather was a very different person to what my father is who my father is so I did feel like we left some people didn't get to see them as much didn't so that was you know I think there was a perhaps a sadness with that but typical thing to do to apportion blame oh blame your mum for your dad for not being together anymore and the fact that you had to adjust to the whole thing but I'm not sensing that from you at all no I didn't feel that way I mean I I think it was a little when your parents split up it's not it's not comfortable is it so I only saw my dad sometimes but at the same time I didn't see my dad a lot anyway because he was a very busy doctor so there wasn't a it didn't seem like a huge change but also you know I love obviously living with my mum and then with her with her new family too it was just exciting and and lots to do who is your go-to person if you're going to talk to anybody I, I was always very close with my with mum and my sisters yeah particularly my uh, sister Pip who we've always been very close from earlier on Nikki my elder sister is a bit older than me so she was always you know university you're always a few more steps ahead of me so but Pip and I connected a lot we would yeah we would share and we still do yeah she's one of my yeah, important people where we can come into that space of sharing and kind of like I remember she used to she would look at me and go are you okay and she would just stare at me in my eyes and I'd be like no don't look at me because <laughs> she would always be able to kind of break the front you know that kind yes. of being holding it together she would see it you know and I'd be being you know hold contained and then she would look at me and she'd say, are you okay? And as soon as she'd say that, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd start crying. But, but, but why did you do, obviously, cause you, so then you are then holding it in. I oh, yeah, back, I was, so, I was yeah. quite emotional. Because you're the youngest? Just because of who you are? All of that? I was, I mean, I was a kid. Parents break it, broken up and I think I, I got a bit bullied at school, in primary school. But I think sensitivity I don't, I don't think yeah and do you think you going back to being bullied at school do you think that's because you were just quiet I was quiet but I've always had a very uh, firm confidence about me as well I am quiet and easygoing I mean that they always used to say you're so easygoing perhaps I was a tendency to be the peacemaker yeah so to make things okay and then so why do you think you were bullied at school oh <laughs> I think a little situational actually because I went to a very small school and it ended up being um, in the grade three girls. I mean, that is ridiculous to have. In your grade, there's only three girls in the grade. Wow. Yeah. How many so kids in the class? That's it. For grade five and six, there were only three of us in the class. No, in, the to in terms of girls oh, and in boys. in the school. Well, no, so only three 
Yeah, yeah, that's what it was eight. No boys? No, there was one boy, but he then went down and level. Wow. Yeah. So it was just like, of course it was going to be tricksy because you had... So how the hell did you navigate your way through that? Because in three, and then if someone doesn't like you, then you've got... That's not like, oh, I'll just go over here and even be... I'm yeah, well, home, I, yeah, like, there was a girl um, younger who I'd fall back on. Like, it wasn't that way. There was more over um, earlier on, but towards the end, there was just three of us. And, yeah, I would just move from one person, whoever's the other... There was one particular girl who would, in my memory, I'm not sure how much truth there is in that, but in my memory, she, I would have a friend and we would be lots of fun and then she would want that friend and then she'd turn the friend against me. So then I would go to the other friend and then it seemed like it was just like moving from one to the other. But that's very common. The it's in, a very the, common. The, 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 only, the unfortunate thing for you is, you know, my daughter, she's at primary school, she's six, year six, but she she would say to me, oh, so-and-so's done... Like and I say to her, explain to her, it's about insecurity mm. often, the, the way people are, you know, those, it's fear-based, a lot of their actions and what mm. they say and what they do. You have to try and accept people for who they are and what's mm. going on in their own... <clears throat> but she could go to somebody else because or another group or yeah, whatever. You, right. you, didn't, you didn't have no, that. No, I know, I didn't. And also then, going back to what you were saying before then, you also had the whole to deal with, even though you said before oh you kind of you got on with it but that's pretty Other full divorce on. And yeah yeah around that time so you your parents divorced new family yeah and you're in a school where you, you've got yeah. two other there's only three of you that's yeah that's yeah. tough that was tough so yeah i think i think that certainly set up a few things <laughs> in terms of in you know insecurities and confidence and but i remember as soon as i got to high school i was just like because it was all girls school, heaps of heaps of people, and it was just like it was paradise for me. I was very I remember making myself very secure in my friends. So I was very lucky to to find some really key um, friends who were being awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember just like setting it up so that that girl couldn't be near me. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a protective thing. Oh, she came from the primary to... Yeah, she went to the same school. So. To the tissue. Yeah. I said you might need that. <laughs> yeah. So I made it very clear to my friends <laughs> that they weren't allowed to go near it. And that worked? Yeah, it did. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I know. So it's all about you that they did that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was... Yeah, I wasn't going to have that again. How long ago was was this this with this girl this whole thing you're talking about? How I don't know how old you are <clears> now, but oh, how long? I suppose the point I'm trying to make is it's amazing how it still affects you so oh. deeply now. Yeah. And I know that's often the case. I remember talking to my mother. She's in her, she's nearly eighty, and she can talk about something that happened when she was eleven, like it was yesterday, and how it affected her. Yeah. Well, when you start to talk about your heart. Yeah. You know, then. Then tears can come, can't they? Like yeah. that emotion, you can start to feel things deeply. Yeah, it's nice to reflect on these things, and you do do realize how these things really inform your life, and you start to see different behaviors from those, you know, those time, like those experiences in our lives. So, assessing things to protect ourselves, and it's a, probably it's very subconscious. This is why I, you know, I love my yoga and you know, done so much work on myself to, to clear some of these patterns which I hold. Yeah, and it must be, it's amazing that you, was there a point when you went, I've got to do this because I need to do it for myself? Okay, so I was going to ask you a question, which is, what, what do you give to yourself? What do I give to myself? I give to myself sadhana every morning, which is my spiritual practice, yoga. I think first thing I do, I get up out of bed, put the kettle on, get my hot water and set up my mat and I sit on my mat. That's the very first thing I do in the day. That's been a part of my life for 17 years now. So it's, it's kind of like a just a habit, just like I brush my teeth and have my cup of tea in the morning. That's what I give myself. The commitment of that has been really important. And I think from that, it kind of helps to grow that capacity to 
of self-care because I commit to myself every day and I feel like I'm still learning it learning how to look after myself and I'm not talking about just basic looking after myself but just to really to be able to nourish myself make sure I'm, f I'm vital and feeling good so that helps you know doing something for myself every day and the, the more I do it the more I feel able to really be in a true loving kindness place for self-care to make sure I I'm looked after on all levels and I'm not talking just physical emotional mental and spiritual so it sounds like would you describe yourself as a giver I love to give I love my work and being able to to share and help and to serve you know and for me to be able to be vital then allows me to be able to serve others so it's amazing because I resonate with what you said that I'm also, I describe myself as a giver. Yeah. I find it hard to give to myself. So I know. that's why I asked the question and what you do. Yeah. Do you yeah, find that you had the same issue with Well, it, I I did discover that that you know, to begin with I used to love giving, but I realized I was just giving everything and then I had nothing left. So there was a real having to really consciously come to a place w where I could learn how to give to myself because I realised if if I couldn't give to myself then I really couldn't give authentically to others because I, I believe in, you know, if you want to be compassionate to others you first have to know how to be compassionate to yourself so yeah, for me, I really wanted to apply that logic and actually, you know, and, I, and again, it's a work in progress and I and there's, I feel like there's layers and I'm, you know, even just recently I feel like there was a deeper authentic yeah, effort to, to look after my own vitality, to put myself first. And then if I'm able to do that, then I can actually help others to do that. But it's given you've got a partner, you've got children, you've got work, you've got mm. there's a lot there to, to stop you doing that. So it's amazing that you recognise that as well. Mm. and not just go, well, okay, this is who I am and keep giving and giving that you said before you recognised that you, that was, no. there had nothing left. No, that's right, not sustainable. No. And did you, mm. did you get, did you get sick or did you just, you were just tired? What was, were the, what was the thing that told you, okay, I can't, this is not, this is not good for me? Well, for me, my energy is, I always have to work on my, my energy in terms of, I can feel quite depleted or tired because I, I choose to do a lot. So hence I have to actually find a balance to, to fill up the cup as well. So we can't just keep giving. And there's a lot, a lot of layers to that as well, you know. And again, it comes back to my practice. So, you know, having the, the spiritual stamina, like creating a stamina, a strength, not just in the physical, but on an energetic level as well. So rather than <clears throat> taking on people's stuff, you know, we hear stories, we help people, we, we sit with people in like a healing space or a yoga class. You know, you, you, can, you can be a sponge, can't you? But actually being able to c contain your energy so that you just, you're not taking on everyone's stuff. And, and that, you know, there's so many layers to that again, like, you know, taking responsibility for others' healing or transformation and rather than it's my responsibility and yes I, I feel a sense of that but also just handing it to them and saying you know what you've got everything you need to create the changes to to make the shifts I'm just here to hold space for you that's amazing because uh, as you're talking I'm going how do you able to not take that all on and not feel yeah. what they're giving <clears throat> to you because I would I do that yeah it's been practice, you know, and I Kundalini yoga has been really important for that. And that's I practice different meditations and kriyas. Like a kriya is a combination of exercises, mantra, pranayam, drishti, mantra, and they all work on a particular aspect of self. So I practice certain kriyas, meditations, all that help to, yeah, again build a spiritual fitness, a fitness in myself, to clear out the stuff I don't need, like, you know, like, we become a sponge, 
this is, you know, there's a lot of clearing work I do. And then I'd, you know, of course, it's really important for me to do, be in groups, you know, group sadhanas or go to events where we all meditate together, go to events which, where we're all doing, you know, we're there for the same reason. So, you know, with group consciousness is really important as well because when we're in a group, someone's happiness will balance out another's sadness. That's one aspect of it, of it. But also, you know, the, the work you can do is so much greater when you're in a group rather than doing it yourself. I mean, you get the work done yourself too, but it kind of propels it more in a group situation. And those sorts of things are really important for me to keep up. It's interesting you're talking about a group that, and it's part of me going, I don't almost understand what you're saying, even though I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because I have an unfamiliarity around group work I'm in a men's group oh, yeah. so there's an element to that it's a mm. small group so explain to me more about the the energy and what you said about the why is group work so important it's so nice to be in that consciousness together right? to to find commonality with people to share but also the vibration of everyone working together and if you're uh, chanting in a group of a hundred like Sometimes I go to a festival in the US, a Kundalini Yoga Festival, and in the morning you're doing sadhana and there's a thousand people all doing it at the same time, chanting at the same time. Like the, like the frequency of that is just ecstatic. So you can kind of start, you can feel into those, those states of you know, bliss or just energy, you know, that high energy. And then you realize, what, what you're capable of. it's just really heart opening and elevating I think elevating is a big you know mm. good, a good word too you feel elevated by the presence of others and everyone working for the same sort of thing you know the same reason kind of coming together in that common ground okay. it's pretty special yeah no it is I, I almost feel like <clears throat> I want to do that myself yeah I, and I've every time I do it, it so yeah. every time I do it I just come back full of inspiration and because just like you, you get so inspired by other people. And when you're there, just seeing people, you know, mm. willing to go there to do this work, to, to recognise spirit within them or to recognise their potential. It's kind of cool. It is. Mm. How do you express how you feel? Given you talked about... And obviously I understand it's an upsetting because it has bad memories when you go back to the school or the girl <clears> at the school or the rest of it. How did you? How has that then informed how you are able to express your feelings? You know, I think expressing my feelings, I, it's really about me sitting with what I'm feeling. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's hard to know what you're feeling straight away. And, I, you know, that's one of the things I've, I gave to myself from being little not knowing, sometimes not knowing what I'm feeling. These days, I give myself more time to sit with what I'm feeling. You know, because sometimes you, there's so many different things you can feel in one moment about a situation or this or that. But actually, sometimes it's about giving yourself a little bit of time to un really see what is under that, all those different feelings. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, like an example, you know, you may have had a an interaction with another person which you know creates a stir within you you know you can feel lots of different things projections from the past and and the present and all sorts of things so I make sure I give myself time to really sit with what it is that I'm feeling and again sadhana <laughs> is a big part of that in the mornings just to really go into it and not be too much in my head about it and just come back into what I feel within my body because the head can just take me to places which aren't really helpful. Rather, actually just go into what the feeling of that is and find vocabulary for that. So, so to, how, to answer your question, how I deal with emotion is when I'm clear of what, you know, feeling into that emotion, I you know, try and use it as a guide help me to inform me of how I what choices I need to make sometimes reach out to others and go this is how I'm feeling and you know and have a good cry or debrief 
or I do a bit of punching meditation if I'm really frustrated. <laughs> Just get in my body, you know. So yeah. it sounds like, because a lot of people would, would fear confrontation and they don't talk about what's the real issues with somebody there. They might have a friend, family member, whatever, mm. or work. So given what you said to me, that's amazing that you're able to sit with it, understand it, work out what it really is all about, mm. which is very adult. A child would make React it all about the them moment. and just yeah. blurt it out. So it's, it's very... You've clearly moved from a child to an adult. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> no, a lot of people haven't. So you, you clearly have. How, how does that? How does that impact on the, the people around you then? What would they say about you? I think I'm better, getting better at being neutral, not being. I don't. You know, I don't feel like I'm very reactive. People tend to say I'm very calm. I do feel pretty calm most of the time, actually. And sometimes I just catch myself going, "Hey, hold on, why didn't I react?" You know, like I could have reacted to that and I didn't. And I, again, that's the efforts I, I do with my own practice and things. I think, yeah, I just do my best, I guess, in that. It sounds like you do a pretty good job. Yeah. <laughs> the way you're explaining it to me, it sounds, yeah. sounds good. You know, you've got to be allowing to, I mean, we're just humans. You want to try and, you know, put your best foot forward and, but, you know, sometimes you do, we do react and, you know, it's really about then do we berate ourselves for reacting or do we actually allow ourselves, you know what, it's okay, you know, you're allowed to feel that way. I, I think, you know, with um, my work, that's a big thing is actually to allow people to be in the state they are I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this, or I should have done that, or I shouldn't have done, you know. We're always looking at ourselves going, oh, we shouldn't, the, the should word, should be this or shouldn't be that. But actually, you know, that's that's just well, where we were at the time. And the more we kind of berate ourselves, then we just create that cycle of more suffering in that. So just giving people permission to overreact or to feel anxious or to feel this if we actually just allow that then there's a, a big power in that because yeah giving yourself permission to feel it's a big thing what would you be afraid of i feel that i'm a very courageous person like in my life i've been very courageous but i'm also noticed and i sometimes i feel like i'm feeling it more and i think it might be an awareness thing i'm scared of many things scared of exposing myself, scared of failing, you know, putting myself out there. Yeah, there's lots of things to be fearful of. <laughs> but you're doing a very good job now. Yeah, yeah, well, you just got to feel it, don't you? And you do. Yeah. You're very in touch with how you feel. Yeah. That's amazing. Not yeah. to push it away, you don't push it away. I try not to, no. <laughs> Which is, a lot of people would do that, I think. Dismiss yeah. it, it's yeah. not important. Yeah. It is important how you feel. Yeah. Well, I mean, emotions get a bad rap, don't they? In a way, you know, they do inform us, don't they? How does that impact with your partner? Who you are and how you express yourself? <laughs> do you, how does he express himself? He's pretty good at communicating. We're a lot better now at communicating with each other. A few factors with that. We've got more time together now. When you've got kids, <laughs> there's not much time to communicate. But I remember there was a point in our relationship after our children were, when they'd grown up a little bit, so not, not the little baby, that time, when we softened with each other, let each other off the hook a bit more. You know when you can just kind of get picky about each other? Well, I'm doing this, you're doing that, you're not doing this, you know, and why didn't you do this, and what, you know, so... We're you know, you're a team. and So I remember when I made a conscious decision, and I can't remember if we did, but just, you know, like, just let off each other off the hook. Like, we're doing the best we can and just soften and be kinder to each other instead of criticising each other. You know, yeah, I didn't unpack the dishwasher last night. I was tired. I'd had a big day. You know, who cares, really? So, 
yeah, that softening with each other was a big thing. It made a big difference. And we, we I, you know, I think we still try and practice that. I can be a bit stroppy at home. <laughs> I can't imagine that really in this conversation. I don't see where that comes from. Oh, totally stroppy. <laughs> with Zach. I generally don't get that from you at all in this conversation. I'm joking a bit. But yeah, I, but he's, um, he's very good with that. You know, I, I can be very direct and he's always very, yeah, very open to listening to that and, He'll, I'm very lucky. He always likes to bring, um, you know, the cheekiness. Or, you know, he's someone who runs around the house and jabs you in the ribs, and, and I'm like, oh, stop! And then, you know, he always gets a laugh out of me or the kids. In the end, <laughs> <laughs> laughter is a big thing. It's important in my life. I think it's really important. My my teacher says, sweat and laugh every day. Your what teacher? My yogi bhajan. Who's, oh. oh, Kundalini yoga. Yeah, he yeah. Says, Sweat and laugh every day. Mm, that sounds like very good advice. Yeah. And laughing and actually reflecting back to high school. And what really transformed me in through those kind of really, infor- you know, those years where you're really creating your identity. I had such great friends. We used to laugh all the time. Like we just find laughter and everything like high school for me if I look back at it it was just laughing we had so much fun <laughs> and and talking so then that goes back to what you said before so were you what what was it that you that allowed you not allowed you what what helped you to pick you said you were very careful about who you picked to be your friends given what happened going back to primary school what were the things you looked for well, actually, no, we just found each other. It was just really... It wasn't a conscious thing. Well, I'm sure there's some of that in there. But there was, but if you we found each now. other right at the grade six train tour. <laughs> I don't know. We just, we were just meant to be together. And are you still friendly with those? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually called one of my friends who hadn't spoken to for ages. Got kids too. Busy life. And I always think, oh, I must catch up with her and I'll go and see her but I you know I never have time to go and see her because life is so busy and it was only the other day where it occurred to me you know what just pick up the phone and call her I don't have to make a big event to see her I could just actually call her because it's and I did and it made our day and we laughed and reminisced a bit and just caught up and so yeah they're still really important people which is amazing and going back to laughing I can't remember the statistic but I think it's an average I think a child laughs, I'm going to get this wrong, it's like 700 or 1,000 times a day. An adult laughs like seven times a day or something I like know. that. I know. And where did that, where did that, I can, I can go, oh, I, I kind of know where that all goes, but that's sad. So the fact that you're yeah. saying to me that you do that is, is great because it's very easy and it fits in with who you are in this conversation. I've got a yeah. very good sense of who you are, that it's easy to, to let everything take over and be consumed by it mm, and get lost within it and to stay in your head just before as you said not to do that which is mm. absolutely right and come into your heart but if you don't which I'm guessing a lot of people don't yeah, I'm you don't you, you're going to look at your life and go oh, this is this yeah. isn't right that's yeah. tough this is all the stuff that's that we all right. do and yet you seem to be able to not do that and mm. go to a place which is happy and be grateful. I do feel lucky that I, I'm able to do that. Mm. And so what well, you sort of said it already, but I, and I often ask this question when it's appropriate. What, because there are people listening to this, what advice would you give to other people about how they could experience what you experience? Yeah, you know, I think for me, I think we do take ourselves very seriously. You know, I, my main, for me, my, my main teaching as a yoga teacher and even as a practitioner is to soften and to be kind to ourselves. We're just so damned hard on ourselves. Everyone is so hard on our, on themselves and not enough and not good enough. And So my main thing is just to be, be kind and to let yourself off the hook. Like you, yeah, you don't have to get it right. It's okay. Mm. 
yeah and I know that's really simple but yeah there's yeah you know I, I again I completely resonate with that because I can be very hard on myself oh we're so hard on ourselves and oh you know this is not good enough or why did you say that or yeah. what about this or do that we overthink it I'm the worst <laughs> I overthink yeah. everything so yeah I, I, it's mm. we overthink and then we just get in our head and then you know the head takes over and another, another great thing I remind myself and others is we are not our mind like we are not you know we're constantly defining ourselves with these thoughts coming in and you know but that's not us that's not who we are and to you know to create opportunity to actually come into into the body into that feeling space because remember we've got neurons in the heart neurons in the belly our our mind is not just in the head you know and we look at we tend to look at life and think of life and experience life through the head but even imagine if we just experienced it even just looking at yourself from your chest rather than from your head you know mm. even that simple little thing it just shifts the perspective a little completely why was traveling important to you traveling was important for me because i wanted to go and reinvent myself i went at when i was about 19 i was i i left um home and went to came to melbourne to start studying <clears throat> i made that decision because well, I wanted to get out of the country town where I was and expand my horizons. But I also realised I wanted to do study. I started with massage, then I did kinesiology. I felt like I was already broken down at 19 or 20, you know. Like my, I'd broken my back on a horse riding ex accident. You know, I felt insufficient and insecure. Even though, like it sounds dramatic, I was still quite a happy, active person. But I knew that I, there was more that I could tap into. And that's interesting because <coughs> at that age, a lot of people, teenagers rather, don't know what to do, don't have any sense of who they really are. Mm. And you just said that, which is... Yeah, I know, it's really clear. And to where do you think that... Because I, I often ask this question, where does that come from? Yeah. Just I think I was always interested in health. Because your dad? My dad's a doctor. My mum was really always into it. She got us into aromatherapy and crystals and took us to the chiropractor when we were kids. You know, like we were always thinking about that stuff. And then at that time, I think, I think Pip had started acupuncture, actually. I just saw another a world of, which I, yeah, I just resonated with. Did my massage. Then I knew I wanted, wanted something more to, than that kinesiology that totally opened my world up that was brilliant and then and then I finished my kinesiology and then you know I was still you know early 20s such a tough time of your life <laughs> in terms of <clears throat> I was having lots of fun and, but again I still felt that I needed to find myself find kind of unleash something so I went off traveling went to Asia Spent six months in India, then went to the UK. I was searching, I was curious. I was really into Buddhism at the time. I went to India and went to the Dalai Lama's teachings and went to all the temples and then went to the UK. And of course I had all this study behind me. I had all this theory about what chakras were and what, you know, energy was. And so I was exploring that more. And then when I went to the UK, that's when I um, discovered Kundalini Yoga, where it was a little write-up about, you know, you can work with my chakras and this and that. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, and it felt like it just really grabbed me because that's what really made me heal at a very deep level. I think that I'd go to a class and it felt like it lasted about five days within my body and then wow. I'll be like okay I need more so then I do my teacher training and things there traveling was really good for me yeah opened my mind up to what's possible gave me confidence 
How does it give you confidence? You know, just meeting people and well, being alone in India for six months, I had to really put myself out there and, you know, it's time to re reflect too. Sometimes it was very lonely. Sometimes I was surrounded by good people. But then when I got back from traveling, I was just on a, on a bit of a mission, teach yoga and get back into, well, being a kinesiologist, a practitioner, that was a bit daunting. Yeah. So you, how was that? I mean, I can imagine why. How was it daunting? Well, it's daunting suddenly to um, hold space for another person. And, you know, you feel like a bit of a fraud to begin with. <laughs> You're just like, oh, okay. You know, early days, you, you, you don't have much experience, obviously. Yeah. And if you look back on that now, how do you think you did? I was a little, I think I did all right. You know, I, I know I'm intuitive. I know I can go into a good space and hold space for others. Yeah. You know, confidence again at that time. You know, it took, it took a long time for me to kind of, yeah, acknowledge that I'm actually good at what I do. That's always one of my things I have to to work on and Pip and I were talking about this recently even with Kundalini House it's we're good at just moving the bar forward a little bit more <laughs> you know what I mean so you know at one point we're like having this celebration dinner we're going to take Zach and Pip our partners out for a celebration dinner because we we um, were doing so well in Kundalini House I think that was about eight years ago it still hasn't happened <laughs> So, you know, recognizing value in ourselves, you know, in ourselves. This is Kundalini House has been good for that, just to and being a practitioner and teacher. But that's just a gradual thing over time, is to, for me, to recognize my value. So, how do you think? Because I again use the word resonate, but it's fits with me. Allow myself to feel that I am good enough. Yeah. And to go, yeah, you know what? People can tell me something, but to sit with that f and go, yeah, actually I am good. Yeah. It's almost weird to say those words for me. Mm. I am good. Mm, it is. And so you obviously have the... I, I resonate, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, but why, why, do, why, given what you said about you and what, the way you've come across to me, I don't know you... Mm. It's amazing what you've done, you know, the confidence that you, you've yeah. had and what you did and I know. the things that, you know, it's a lot of confidence to do that. Yeah. You're, the age you were at and when the things, you know. So, of course, you should be able to say that because that's a true. That's that's as true as light, as night follows day or whatever. You're all, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And yet it's not easy to say that. It's not. I know. It's a surprise, isn't it, when you think, okay, well, look what I've done. But actually acknowledging that you know what what you've had what you've done what you are who you are is a value and that, that's something I'm con consciously working on to acknowledge because you know we always just yeah, as I said before just move on to the next thing and go oh well then then I'll be better if I'm here and then if I, once I've done that then I'll be good so actually going you know what stop <clears throat> just allow yourself to be of value and be fine right now and do you think you'll ever be able to say that comfortably and go yeah I am good yeah I think so I'm working on it certainly momentary yeah why not I'm going to say in a little while <laughs> <laughs> not right now Billy can't say that yeah <laughs> You know, I'm definitely, you know, consciously making effort. But you think if you said it to yourself now, every day, I am good. Yeah. You would then you well, become, I do. You become, I'm not saying you don't, but you become what you think. Yeah, well, that's right. You are what you think. I do. Yeah. And I think, I think there's layers to it too, aren't there? Because on many levels, I do understand that. 
But then that idea of value, like to, to truly value yourself on so many different layers. It's about, you know, valuing time, valuing, you know, boundaries, you know, worth, you know, how much to charge, how to how much your time means. All of these things are involved with this in that. So a few things to lay. There are. It's yeah. not quite as Yeah. I get what you're saying. About, you know, having good boundaries, you know, putting yourself first but but also you know, not not blindly putting yourself first or knock someone else over, but to to recognise the impact of what you you do can impact everyone around you. Still being able to be in awareness of that. How important human connection is to you? How important is human connection? Well, very important to me. I love to connect with people and I love to be able to see people not just not just with what they're presenting <laughs> mm. but actually to see beyond what they're presenting and just to, yeah, to connect with. And how do you think? Because I think I can do that as well. Yeah. And I've spoken to other people who also say the same thing. Not many. Do you learn that? It's innate? I think we learn it. I think definitely we... I think if we're all capable of it, the more sensitivity we have, the more capacity we have to listen and to, to feel and to be present with others, then we're able, more able to connect with others. If we're in our own... You know, caught up in our own head thinking about... If we're distracted by ourselves or by other things, it's, it's much harder to connect to another person. So, work on that. I, that's my thing, just work on that so I can be more present with people. Well, I just see, you know, patterns from when I was a kid of, like, turning off to emotion, turning off to conversation, turning off to things. And I see, you know, almost like I feel like I'm able to not... You know, not to turn off, rather than to actually be turned on <laughs> in that connected, like being present. That's a gift. <laughs> it is. But do you think that's a challenge as well? If you're the way we are, mm. it goes back to something you said before, where you it's very easy to be overwhelmed, where you have to separate what's coming in. Mm. So you don't take it all in. Oh, yeah. And go, okay, this is where, and you said before you can do that. But that's... Oh, That's yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. From my own experience, where I, you know, if you really feel someone, you get a sense of who they are, mm. then there's there's a lot there to, yeah, to take on, digest, digest, better word, yeah, yeah. And given your work, you're seeing people all the time. That's true. You know, if someone speaks from their heart and says something, you know, which is really close to them. You know, admittedly, my ears, my eyes would tear up, like to see someone expressing and being in that vulnerable place, and to be able to express things. I will, I, you know, I do tear up. I feel it. I do. I feel that. You know, and I appreciate that. I think that's a good place to stop. I can't think of anything else to, <laughs> to ask you. It's been really good. The podcast is called More Real. Mm. What would make your life more real? more real you know I like that question because in Kundalini Yoga we have the mantra Sat Nam which is truth is my identity and that real to me is about you know being that full truth like just to be what would make me more real is just to allow myself to be and again that's kind of quite simple but the more I can just strip back all these, you know, what that comes up, the insecurities, you know, the, the mental chatter, the expectations we put on ourselves, you know, the shoulds, the coulds, you know, all of that, if, you know, if we can, if I can strip that away and just let myself just be in this very moment, that's all I can ask is to be here be now in this space and just yeah just show myself as I am 
flawed, perfect, <laughs> all of that, <laughs> human, then, yeah, then I would feel real. And that takes a lot of courage. So if, actually, if I was just really, really courageous, if I just keep on building courage, then perhaps I can let myself just be really real. And where you've said it before, where do you find the courage from, though? I found courage, and I always thought, I know this is a bit obscure, when I started my yoga, I used to, I moved my navel point, okay, being energetic here. So I got my, you know, strength in my core and got, you know, working on all my neuroses. Like, it felt like I became an action woman, like, after doing yoga for a year or two, even probably only a year doing a sadhana, starting a sadhana, and it was my sadhana was pretty good, but okay, just you know, just I'd be amazed at myself, I'd be put myself in situations and I'd be like looking at myself, going, How the hell have I put myself in this situation? Because this is generally terrifying for me, and I would just be doing it, and I'd be like, Okay, let's just do this. And I found that, that I would, I think I just became, yes, you know, willing, let's do it. And I always thought that was because of the navel and became an action woman. But actually, it was that I became much more courageous and actually just, just gave it a go. Even though I was terrified, I still did it. But so how did you, yeah, but how did you get past the fear? You said you just Don't. did it. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> well, okay, enough you of do. get past the fear to do it. Well, you do. You've got to. Because a lot of. Okay, so again, I speak from my own experience. We had a conversation before the podcast. Where I said to you, you know what? I've done it. I sat on the podcast. I wasn't going to say this, but yeah. it's relevant now. I said, I'm not launching a podcast because it wasn't. Oh, is it going to be. People can listen to it. Mm. Have I got it right? I had to get it perfect. Mm. The. Yeah. And I, and I listen to other people who talk about, you know, just. Get it out there. Do it. Come mm. on. Doesn't matter, you know. Mm. And watch other people doing stuff and thinking it isn't perfect at all. Mm. But they just they've just done it. So yeah, why why I know. so why am I, I know. why am I crazy? And then there were some things where I could say to you, I'm very courageous. You you, yeah. you knew more about me. You'd go, wow, that's really courageous. Yeah. So there are aspects of my life, I think I'm very courageous. Mm. But in the yeah. putting myself out there, as you said before, even though I think I'm very vulnerable, but yeah. there was a lot of fear around that. And yeah. not enough courage to do it. Yeah, and that's where I built myself up in strength lies in in my practice. I really do. I I, I know. I I will have to say it's my sadhana. I I do that something for myself every day, and it just it just clears stuff out. Like I don't have to mind boggle thing boggle everything. I don't have to, you know, pick at it in my head. Those practices. And when we do a regular practice, it just like it comes from behind and it just clears the path. And that's why I was like surprised sometimes when I'm doing things, you know, earlier on. Be like, why am I putting myself in a situation? This is generally quite terrifying for me. Yeah, it, it, cleared, it helped to clear the path for me too. But also having some people around me who believe in me is pretty helpful. <laughs> that would help. That help has helped, and I've always had lots of people who believe in me around me, which is good, because you know sometimes I don't, just like what you say, sometimes I don't believe in me. My mum's been a good one for that. She's always been my biggest fan. Like seriously, she's my biggest fan. She's always backed me up and believed in me and said, "Oh, Billy, you're so wonderful," and that that has been such a gift for me. Yeah. So having people who believe in you is is really such a mm -hmm. blessing isn't it it is yeah just to give that little nudge it's like, yes Go on. yes and but you need to believe it yourself though as well you do and i, I think do. that helps i agree with you it absolutely does strange stuff with people you're yeah i agree you, i do have an inner confidence beyond all the insecurities that i can do it all of the things i've done in my life like the massage, the kinesiology, I just knew I had to do that. I hadn't even had a kinesiology treatment. The Bowen, the Bowen practitioner, again, I, 
I hadn't even had a bowling. I just knew that I had to do bowling. I feel that a calling to things, and I, I just follow it. I just trust with that. And do you think that's your true self talking to you when you get that calling? Because I can relate to yeah, that as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah. A higher self. That's that intuition. Intuition. Yeah, intuition comes in so many different forms, but it's one thing to listen to ourselves, be able to listen, but actually if we're obeying is actually also really important to act on those little hunches and that that feeling, those feelings is, is really so important. But sometimes I say to give a little task to people or my, in my teaching, it's like, okay, for 40 days, every time you have a little hunch follow it like follow those little intu- intuitive because moments whatever if you call it intuition or it's a hunch or a sense of oh I should go down here or I should you know talk to this person just do it and see what happens trust yourself that you'll have the capacity to navigate your way through that exercise your intuition <laughs> and trust in that because yeah I, I've certainly taken leaps a little blindly but there's part of me which just really knows that I should do that I'm going to listen to your advice cool <laughs> as I said to you before it's always people listening you know yeah and this I learned I've learned there we go I've learned something I'm going to yeah because then it sends you the message mm. that you know what it's I, you know there's to listen to self like it says okay I trust you I trust mm. that instinct because if we always um, doubt ourselves, then we never we just doubt those instincts, and then you know we're not able to hear the, those those hunches, and because we just ah oh, rubbish, oh, push it out of the way. Then what have you got? You've just got your head going. Oh, I've got a hundred things coming yeah, in, and I can't make any right. decision. Yes, building trust in that you have the answers, or you. You have the resources to get through things. If you don't have the resources, well, then that's when you find other people to help. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, asking others to, you know, I have, I'm, I feel like I'm much better these days at asking, you know, delegating, still a big thing, but asking others for help or reaching out. That's that's something we all need courage for, isn't it? Do you find that? Yes. Yeah. I've someone who I can do I do it all myself because mm. I just I don't need help because I, I can yeah but that's not really the mm. way I should be doing it yeah. because there are people who either want to give me help or who can give me help yeah that's right why don't you so that's you know I mean I've learned, I had to really my ex she got cancer and then that was a pretty awful time and I had to force myself to ask people for help yeah. which didn't come to me at all yeah how did it feel doing that wasn't uh, it it made me feel less of who i yeah. am because i can do everything yes yeah, and then all of a sudden I, I all of a sudden i can't do everything because why am i asking you for help yeah what does that say about me well it says that i recognize that i need help yeah yeah it's got a long time to work that out and even now i still struggle with it a bit but i am more accepting of you know what as i say to my kids Someone offers to do something. Don't re- yes. say no. Don't reject it. Yeah. If they've offered it, then you accept it. Mm. Yeah, because that doesn't happen very often either. Absolutely <laughs> right. You know, for lots of reasons, someone wants. Obviously, somebody wants to do something for you, whatever that something yeah. is. So you, you have to resist the, mm. which is as I said, I spent a large part of my life just going no 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 I'll just push on through yeah. and do it because yep. I'm strong yeah I can do everything I can do everything yeah. I'm superhuman yeah yeah well yeah maybe I can but it's not going to serve me no or the people around me because as you mentioned it's that all you do is diminishing what you have because you're just taking you're just giving it yeah to everything else and everyone else and then more's left for you yeah and then you're kind of like <laughs> like, oh gosh, I'm exhausted. You know, resenting. Yeah, resentment comes into the, the, so yeah, a lot that's of that, right. which is just. It, it, and then try to push that away because mm. oh, I, I, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say this to people 
you know, if you've allowed something to happen, you had a choice. You're often forced into that. That was your choice. You can't really resent something or someone for mm. <coughs> what they right. did. No. You, you allowed that to happen. You had a choice yeah. to say no or not to. So resentment's it's terrible. A rub, it's a rubbish one. Yeah, it's a really it? bad emotion <laughs> to have. I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> okay. We should stop. <laughs> yes. Gone past the, I've stopped. So now. now we will stop. Okay. Unless I keep talking to you, but yes. Oh, dear. Thank you for listening to More Real. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you will continue to be here to explore real life with me. If you have, please tell anyone you know about More Real. I love creating a space for real conversations. So if you know anyone who would want to be on this podcast, please email me at morereal1, one is spelt O-N-E, at gmail.com. Once again, morereal1 at gmail.com. I'm very grateful as always for your support.